0: Chapter Four of The Vicomte de Bragelonne by Alexandre Dumas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bologna Times. The Vicomte de Bragelonne by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter Four Father and Son raoul followed the well-known road so dear to his memory which led from blois to the residence of the comte de la fere the reader will dispense with the second description of that habitation he perhaps has been with us there before and knows it only since our last journey thither the walls had taken on a grayer tint and the brickwork assumed a more harmonious copper tone the trees had grown and many that then only stretched their slender branches along the tops of the hedges now bushy strong and luxuriant cast around beneath boughs swollen with sap great shadows of blossoms or fruit for the benefit of the traveller raoul perceived from a distance the two little turrets the dovecote in the elms, and the flights of pigeons, which wheeled incessantly around that brick cone, seemingly without power to quit it, like the sweet memories which hover round a spirit at peace. As he approached, he heard the noise of the pulleys, which grated under the weight of the heavy pails. He also fancied he heard the melancholy moaning of the water, which falls back again into the wells. A sad, sad. Funereal, solemn sound, which strikes the ear of the child and the poet, both dreamers, which the English call splash, Arabian poets, gasgachau, and which we Frenchmen, who would be poets, can only translate by a paraphrase the noise of water falling into water. It was more than a year since Raoul had been to visit his father. He had passed the whole time in the household of monsieur le prince in fact after all the commotions of the fronde of the early period of which we formerly attempted to give a sketch louis de Conde had made a public solemn and frank reconciliation with the court during all the time that the rupture between the king and the prince had lasted the prince who had long entertained a great regard for bragalon had in vain offered him advantages of the most dazzling kind for a young man the comte de la fere still faithful to his principles of loyalty and royalty one day developed before his son in the vaults of saint denis the comte de la fere in the name of his son had always declined them moreover instead of following Monsieur de comte in his rebellion the vicomte Had followed Monsieur de Turenne, fighting for the king. Then, when Monsieur de Turenne, in his turn, had appeared to abandon the royal cause, he had quitted Monsieur de Turenne as he had quitted Monsieur de Conde. It resulted from this invariable line of conduct that, as Conde and Turenne had never been conquerors of each other, but under the standard of the king, Raoul however young, had ten victories inscribed on his list of services, and not one defeat from which his bravery or conscience had to suffer. Raoul, therefore, had in compliance with the wish of his father served obstinately and passively the fortunes of Louis Fourteenth, in spite of the tergiversations which were endemic, and it might be said inevitable at that period monsieur de conde on being restored to favor had at once availed himself of all the privileges of the amnesty to talk for many things back again which had been granted to him before and among others raoul monsieur de la fere with his invariable good sense had immediately sent him again to the prince a year then had passed away since the separation of the father and son a few letters had softened, but not removed, the pain of absence. We have seen that Raoul had left at Blois another love in addition to filial love. But let us do him this justice. If it had not been for chance, and Mademoiselle de Montalais, two great temptations, Raoul, after delivering his message, would have galloped off towards his father's house, turning his head round, perhaps but without stopping for a single instant, even if Louise had held out her arms to him. So the first part of the journey was given by Raoul to regretting the past which he had been forced to quit so quickly, that is to say, his lady-love, and the other part to the friend he was about to join, so much too slowly for his wishes. Raoul found the garden gate open, and rode straight in without regarding the long arms raised in anger of an old man dressed in a jacket of violet-colored wool and a large cap of faded velvet the old man who was weeding with his hands a bed of dwarf roses and arguerites, was indignant at seeing a horse thus traversing his sanded and nicely raked walks he even ventured a vigorous humph which made the cavalier turn round Then there was a change of scene, for no sooner had he caught sight of Raoul's face than the old man sprang up and set off in the direction of the house amidst interrupted growlings, which appeared to be paroxysms of wild delight. When arrived at the stables, Raoul gave his horse to a little lackey, and sprang up the peron with an ardor that would have delighted the heart of his father. He crossed the antechamber, the dining room, and the salon without meeting anyone. At length, on reaching the door of Monsieur de la Ferre's apartment, he rapped impatiently and entered almost without waiting for the word enter, which was vouchsafed him by a voice at once sweet and serious. The comte was seated at a table covered with papers and books. He was still the noble, handsome, gentlemen of former days but time had given to this nobleness and beauty a more solemn and distinct character a brow white and void of wrinkles beneath his long hair now more white than black an eye piercing and mild under the lids of a young man his mustache fine but slightly grizzled waved over lips of a pure and delicate model as if they had been curled by mortal passions a form straight and supple, and irreproachable but thin hand. This was what remained of the illustrious gentleman whom so many illustrious mouths had praised under the name of Athos. He was engaged in correcting the pages of a manuscript book, entirely filled by his own hand. Raoul seized his father by the shoulders, by the neck, as he could, and embraced him so tenderly and so rapidly that the Comte had neither strength nor time to disengage himself, or to overcome his paternal emotions. "'What, you here? Raoul? You? Is it possible?' said he. "'Oh, monsieur, monsieur, what joy to see you once again!' "'But you don't answer me, Vicomte. Have you leave of absence, or has some misfortune happened at Paris?' "'Thank God, monsieur.' "'replied Raoul, calming himself by degrees. "'Nothing has happened, but what is fortunate. "'The king is going to be married, "'as I had the honor of informing you in my last letter, "'and on his way to Spain he will pass through Blois.' "'To pay a visit to monsieur?' "'Yes, monsieur Le Comte. "'So, fearing to find him unprepared, "'or wishing to be particularly polite to him, Monsieur Le Prince sent me forward to have the lodgings ready.' You have seen, monsieur? asked the comte, eagerly. I have had that honor. At the castle? Yes, monsieur, replied Raoul, casting down his eyes, because, no doubt, he had felt there was something more than curiosity in the comte's inquiries. Ah, indeed, Vicomte, accept my compliments thereupon. Raoul bowed. But you have seen someone else at Blois monsieur i saw her royal highness madame that's very well but it is not madame that i mean raoul coloured deeply but made no reply you do not appear to understand me monsieur Vicomte," persisted monsieur de la fere without accenting his words more strongly but with a rather severer look i understand you quite plainly monsieur replied raoul and if i hesitate a little in my reply you are well assured i am not seeking for a falsehood no you cannot tell a lie and that makes me so astonished you should be so long in saying yes or no i cannot answer you without understanding you very well and if i have understood you you will take my first words in ill part you will be displeased no doubt monsieur le comte because i have seen Mademoiselle de la Valliere, have you not? It was of her you meant to speak. I know very well, monsieur, said Raoul, with inexpressible sweetness. And I asked you if you have seen her. Monsieur, I was ignorant when I entered the castle that Mademoiselle de la Valliere was there it was only on my return after i had performed my mission that chance brought us together i have had the honor of paying my respects to her but what do you call the chance that led you into the presence of mademoiselle de la valliere mademoiselle de Montalais, monsieur and who is mademoiselle de Montalais? a young lady i did not know before whom i had never seen she is maid of honor to madame Monsieur le vicomte i will push my interrogatory no further and reproach myself with having carried it so far i had desired you to avoid mademoiselle de la valliere and not to see her without my permission oh i am quite sure you have told me the truth and that you took no measures to approach her chance has done me this injury i do not accuse you of it I will be content, then, with what I formerly said to you concerning this young lady. I do not reproach her with anything. God is my witness. Only it is not my intention, or wish, that you should frequent her place of residence. I beg you once more, my dear Raoul, to understand that. It was plain the limpid eyes of Raoul were troubled at this speech. Now, my friend, said the Comte, with his soft smile, and his customary tone, let us talk of other matters. You are returning, perhaps, to your duty? No, monsieur, I have no duty for to-day, except the pleasure of remaining with you. The prince kindly appointed me, no other, which was so much in accord with my wish. Is the king well? Perfectly. And monsieur le prince, also? As usual, monsieur the comte forgot to inquire after mazarin that was an old habit well raoul since you are entirely mine i will give up my whole day to you embrace me again again you are at home the comte ah there is our old grimaud come in grimaud monsieur le vicomte is desirous of embracing you likewise the good old man did not require to be twice told he rushed in with open arms Raoul, meeting him half way. Now, if you please, we will go into the garden, Raoul. I will show you the new lodging I have had prepared for you during your leave of absence, and whilst examining the last winter's plantations and two saddle-horses I have just acquired, you will give me all the news of our friends in Paris. The Comte closed his manuscript, took the young man's arm, and went out into the gardens with him. Grimaud, looked at raoul with a melancholy air as the young man passed out observing that his head nearly touched the traverse of the doorway stroking his white royale he slowly murmured how he has grown End of chapter four